Welcome to The Brand Collective, a podcast about our favorite brands, featuring stories from the marketers and creatives behind them. I'm your host, Nick Ross. With me, Mackenzie Koss, marketer extraordinaire. Let's get into it. Today on the podcast, we have Kyle Skinner, the social media engagement manager at Patreon. Welcome, Kyle. We're so excited to have you on. Nick and Mac, thank you so much for inviting me onto this. I really appreciate it. And I'm stoked to chat with you both. We're so excited to have you. Can you talk a little bit about your background? You were involved in social media for the Oakland Athletics? I was. I'm a huge sports fan. Grew up in the Bay Area. So I love the Bay Area teams. Always have. It's been you know, I, I grew up playing sports, knew that I wanted to work in sports as a kid, as, you know, uh, even going into college. So in college, I thought, you know, I think I want to be a sports journalist. So I interned for my athletic department at UC Santa Barbara, and I became a basically a sports information director for some reason as an intern. <laughs> so I was I was writing previews, recaps, features on athletes from women's tennis, women's soccer, men's water polo, all of this, these sports. And I realized that one, I hate asking hard questions. So that's going to be out for me as a journalist, if I can't ask the hard questions. And number two, as I was covering these athletes, I realized that a lot of the smaller sports, they weren't being broadcast anywhere. You can't really find, you know, UCSB women's tennis versus UC Riverside women's tennis on a Tuesday afternoon on TV or streaming anywhere. So with all of these international players on the teams, I was like, what if I started a Twitter account for these teams and their families can follow along so that at least their families will be able to keep up with what the athletes are doing, what their, what their kids are doing. So I went to the athletic uh, communications director and pitched in. And he was like, yep, go for it. If you can do it, you can do it. So did it and had a ton of fun. And I was like, you know what? Actually, sports social might be my place because I kind of like to write about these athletes, but I also like to hype them. And that's my perfect little intersection here in social. So I uh, ended up getting a job out of college, part-time job with Major League Baseball. And I was an in-game social media coordinator, which basically just meant that I got to tweet during games on a club account. And the club that they happened to have an opening for were the Oakland A's, <laughs> which was my childhood team. So I was like, wow, this is a dream come true, dream job right out of college. This is perfect. So once I uh, I did a half of a season part-time just tweeting with the A's, uh, working for Major League Baseball. And then in 2017, the A's hired me on full-time. So I was a social media assistant. And I was really tasked with developing the brand and voice of the channels for the A's um, because they really hadn't had a sole social person for ever since they started the accounts. So I worked on building the voice, building the brand. What are we known for on social? This is what the A's are on social and eventually worked my way up to manager until I, you know, hit a little bit of a burnout period. Baseball's long seasons. They play 162 baseball games and some spring training on top of that. So to work from February to November, every single day was a little, little exhausting. So I, I thought about making a switch to give myself a little bit better of a work-life balance and Patreon had a position that I went for and I loved Patreon as a patron and thought it would be really cool to work for them. So here I am all those years later, I made the switch over to, to Patreon. <laughs> Seems like uh, you're someone who's found roles that 
really enable your own creativity? Is that something that you're that you're passionate about? Is is being able to be a creative in the social media space? I feel like I've always been some sort of creative person. I remember in like first and second grade, my my parents were teachers. So I was like always reading, always exploring. And I, as a kid, I would like want to draw all the time or write books all the time, little short stories. And I always wanted a creative outlet. In like middle school and high school, we were making like dumb YouTube videos and and I was in like leadership and we would make leadership YouTube videos to promote dances or events or whatever. And I found like creating is really what I love to do. And social is a great intersection of that. Fast forward to now, like I, I'm the worst graphic designer in the planet. So it's good that I don't have to do that stuff anymore. Um, but I, I think that, you know, it's really cool because social allows me to be creative, whether it's with my writing or how I think about promoting certain things. Um, and it's just a, a channel and an avenue that allows me to, you know, work for a company that I really believe in, but also have some creative freedom myself. So social is a really nice uh, avenue for me personally. As someone who lives in the creative space, I feel like I see Patreon so often. Can you talk a little bit about your role and how you fulfill the mission of Patreon? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So social media engagement manager is a real nice and fancy title for a community manager, basically. Um, what what the title really means is that I'm in charge of making sure that the community on social is engaged both in posts. So once Patreon sends some stuff out, we go beyond the post to make sure that folks that are commenting are also being engaged with. There's a conversation happening within the comment section because that's really important in my opinion to community building. But th then also doing some proactive stuff with our creators. So creators that come to Patreon to you know, make their creative endeavors happen and get paid for their art as they should be, also are a part of the Patreon family. And we want them to feel just as loved on our platform and off. So I'm in their comments. I'm engaging with their communities. I'm, I'm being a fan of the folks that are using Patreon because they're awesome. <laughs> There's some really incredible creators on Patreon and we want to show them that we're just as stoked about what they're doing as their fans are. So I'm doing a lot of that. And I'm also leaning a little bit into the strategy alongside of our senior social media manager and running campaigns. So I do a lot of the cultural campaigns surrounding, you know, Hispanic Heritage Month, which we're currently in uh, doing Black History Month, Black Music Month, making sure that we're telling the stories of our diverse creators as possible because Patreon has, you know, over 200,000 creators and they come from all backgrounds and it's awesome to be able to celebrate them. Your company Patreon exists on this sort of very precarious intersection of art and commerce. Yeah. We're all about getting creators paid first and foremost. That's what Patreon wants to do is make sure that these creators get paid fairly by the people that want to support them. And that's the communities that they've formed through their art forms, whether you're a YouTuber, you're a podcaster, you're a visual artist, you have these fans in these communities that you've built up over your career as these creators. And, you know, those fans want to support you. So we're able to give you a space to do that without compromising your art. We don't want you to have to live off of interstitial ads to your podcast episodes. We don't want you to have to live by 
working for commissions of things that you don't want to do. This is a place where you can create what you want to create for the people that want to see you do well. Um, so Patreon's awesome because we have this platform that you can come in, you bring in a community of people that want to support you and you can deliver art to that community who just want to eat it up. <laughs> and I think that's really special. It's really awesome to, you know, be on the Patreon side of it where I'm working day to day with these creators, helping them achieve their content goals, as well as be a patron myself. I mean, I'm a patron of, of a ton of creators that I like to, to support and see all of their creative endeavors happen and come to fruition. So it's really cool. This, this platform is really exciting. It's really exciting to be part of it during this creator economy boom that the world's kind of seeing. And I just think that it's, it's an awesome mission. I'm, I'm really digging it. Can I ask about the typical track? Like, does a creator find you or does Patreon reach out and find creators? How, or is it some sort of combination of both? Combo of both, right? So the, the website is up for anyone that wants to start a page. You can hop on there and start a page. Um, but we also have a team that identifies creators that might do well on Patreon. There's some YouTubers, some illustrators, some musicians that we think that would could use Patreon to really harvest their community and you know fund their creative uh, output. So we have a team that goes and identifies those folks and works with them to see if they would be able to launch on Patreon. And then people also just sign up naturally. I think that we've become a brand that people recognize as a place that you can get paid for your work and folks see that. I mean, it's very, very often that you go on to a, a podcast and you can hear them like, all right, and, and so you can support the show by being a patron of our Patreon. And then that word of mouth just kind of builds, builds, builds. We kind of become that hub for creators, which is really cool. So it's a, it's a combo of both. I love that. Can you talk a little bit about community? Yeah, I think that community is incredibly important on social because there's there's a bit of trust building that needs to happen with every brand and their communities that they are attempting to be a part of. And you're right. It's really hard for a brand to be an authentic part of a community because at the end of the day, they are a brand. But what's so unique about Patreon is that we're so much more than just like the name Patreon. Like we are a place where people can come to thrive and we want to be as human of a company on the platform as we are also on social. And I think being that community partner to these creators and build, helping to build that trust is really important. And I love it. I mean, I love to support creators in their comments, in their messages. I love to engage with their fans, their fans, you know, sending messages of, of well, what, what's Patreon doing here? And it's, you can be very human, just, I don't know, just chilling, enjoying some great art, you know? And, <laughs> and, and show that this that we're human. Like this isn't just Patreon. There were also people behind these accounts. Um, and a really, really funny example of that was we we were engaging with this uh, creator. Um, her name is Rainy Lynn, and she creates illustrations of frogs. Uh, they're like these killer frogs. Her community is called the Frog Cult, and <laughs> these little illustrations of that. frogs. <laughs> it's pretty. It's awesome. Little, these little frogs often have these little mischievous qualities about them. Some of them might be carrying knives. Some of them might be hiding in things. Like, it's hilarious. It's fun. It's different. And their and her community is fantastic. And so, 
we are engaging and we are loving it. We're eating it up. We are making jokes with the, with their um, community on their channels. And that kind of spilled over into stuff into ours. And we got a DM one day from Randy Loon. She goes, is that, is, is this real? Are you, are you all like, is there some, is there a catch to this engagement? Like, do you want something from me? And I was like, no, absolutely not. Like, we're just here having fun. We enjoy your content. We want to support you. You're on our platform and we love you. And we want to show you that that's, it's genuine. It's not, we have, we're not after anything. She's like, wow, that's really refreshing for a brand to do that and not have some sort of DM us for, you know, X, Y, and Z to promote whatever. Collab? We're not about mark. that. Like, not about that. <laughs> we are not about that exposure life. Get no. paid for their stuff. We would never come in hot with that stuff. So like, yeah. And that's what they expect. So yeah, my mindset is flip the script on that. Like, we don't want anything. We want to just support you. We want to want you to know that we're here. And if you need anything, happy to help, happy to be that community partner for you. And that turned into this relationship that just evolved beyond anything. We saw that she was able to form this business off of her, her frog cult that she was able to allow her mom to quit her job and her mom quit her job and she hired her on full time. <laughs> and so now her mom works for her and we saw that. And so going beyond the community online is also important to me. So what we did was we, we made her mom a plaque that said uh, employee of the year frog mom. And it had rainy loons logo and Patreon's logo because her job was to help fulfill Patreon orders. And so we sent that off. We, we hit up Randy Lynn and we said, hey, can we get your address? We need to send you something. She worked with us to get a photo of her mom for the plaque, all of this stuff she bought in. We sent the plaque over and her mom loved it. Carries it around in her purse with her. <laughs> just, just this whole, whole thing. And like going beyond and doing that stuff and making someone's day that, you know, a brand might not always do is super important to me. And that turned into this relationship of she took over our Instagram account for a day and and it built into this like hostage situation where she literally sent us a physical ransom note saying that she, the frogs are coming to take over the account. And that's how we used to promote was like, who sent this to us? And her, <laughs> her community came into our posts and we're just dropping frog emojis. It blew up into this huge thing. And then she took it over for the day and it was incredible. So there's these little moments that can mean a lot, but then there's also this brand affinity that comes along with it. And that's why I think community management and building community past the post, past your branding is just so, so important. It's wonderful to hear because I think I, I've talked to a, a lot of sort of internet people that look back on the internet as this originally conceived as this utopia. And then it sort of met a sort of very cynical, very dark reality. Um, so it's very refreshing. I echo her sentiment. I'm sure there's skepticism that you encounter whenever you engage with people, and especially creatives. I feel like creatives are constantly like, what oh, yeah. do you want from me? <laughs> I feel like I've been exploited yeah, totally. at every turn. Um, <laughs> the, the, uh, the, biggest, the biggest fear of mine is that I'm going to tweet something or, or post something on Instagram to, to a creator and all the replies are silence brand memes. I don't want that in my life. The, the squirt bottle silence brands. I don't know. I try to avoid that as much as possible. And I think that that comes with being authentic, right? You can't try too hard. You can't make it forced. It has to be a natural fit and you have to be okay with passing up. You don't have to take every opportunity. 
social is there to be social and fun. And I think that more brands should kind of lean into that. You obviously have a pretty incredible track through social media. And now it feels like you have an expertise. Do you have any lessons that you would, if you were talking to young people in their job, what, what would you say? Yeah, I think I would tell, you know, I, I do tell folks that always reach out and especially when people know that I worked in sports and they want to learn more about like sports social or just getting into social in general. Um, one professionally never compare yourself to your peers or where they are in their social careers. I think we do that too much. There's often this like false superstardom that comes with managers of brand socials. And sometimes you want to emulate that, but everyone is on their own path and everyone's community is different and everyone's brand is different. And what works for one brand might not work for yours. And it's all about testing what that is and what your community and what your followers and your audience respond to. So I think it's really important to, to, you know, find your lane and test what you can when you are in these social roles to figure out what works and not everything is going to work. Things are going to flop. Yesterday we posted a choose your own adventure thread that got out of hand and didn't work out as we wanted it to. And we leaned into it and said, you know, we tried something fun and different and didn't, it didn't work out. You got to be willing <laughs> to take some L's in this industry and learn from it. And, and how can you build upon that? Um, and, you know, just, I don't know if I want to, I don't know <laughs> if I want to get dark and say like, don't read the comments, but like, it's a, it's a tough industry when your work is instant and available and put out into the world in a moment. And you have to realize that not everyone's going to like it. It's not going to be for everyone. And to take the criticism well, you know, right. it, it, social can be, you kind of alluded to yeah. it, Nick, can be a dark place. It can be a, a dark place with a lot of negativity and you just need to be able to navigate that um, and and have people to lean on and talk to other folks in the industry. And, and you know, you're not battling through the negative world of social alone uh, and especially just the all of the messages that you have to read, all of the things in your feeds, it can get crazy. Um, so it's just important, you know, give yourself a break. Turn your phone off every once in a while. Step away yes. from the computer. It will be yeah. okay. Your, your work and your life can be separate and you should continue that. I used to have a friend, another creative say, don't look, don't look laterally. Like stay focused yeah. on your own path. Like don't look side to yeah. side. Being that that partner in creativity is just so important. And we have just such a unique opportunity to, to be that person and be that brand for folks. So an example is a creator had just finally moved out of their like office bedroom, like I'm sitting in right now and was able to lease an office based on their like Patreon uh, income, their, their income from other avenues. And they moved into their very first office and that's where they're going to be creating content from to separate very important work from life. And that we were just so stoked for this person. So I worked with a vendor to get a like neon sign that was the creator's name HQ that they could hang up in their office. Um, that was their logo uh, that was their favorite color based on the content that they had posted. And we had that thing shipped off and the, I messaged them and I said, Hey, congrats on your office. That is incredible. We have a office warming gift coming to you. Go ahead and check it out. And she loved it. Uh, it's, 
and that kind of moment of celebrating these folks, celebrating your community, being more than just like the brand that interacts so that they can show up in people's comments and get some sort of brand recognition and awareness. Like we need to go beyond that. If we're doing it, it has to be authentic. And these surprise and delights show us, show people that like, we're not here just to compromise and, and cannibalize your own comment sections for our own gain. No, we want to be here and we want to celebrate you and what you're creating. And I've been really lucky to have not only the budget, but the support to take advantage of, of these moments to really make someone's day. And I think that's really important in this, what can be very negative space of social media. <laughs> yeah, no, I love that. You also put yourself in a lot of the Patreon social media, which I think is another sort of taking that leap of faith that, you know, people are going to connect to you as a, as a human. Like I was looking at your Instagram and I was like, you're all over this. You're having a great time. You're, <laughs> you know, you're, you're giving tips, you're giving like pointers, you're talking about creativity in a really constructive way. Um, was that something that just came organically or did you maybe pitch it and then it sort of caught fire? How did that come about? Yeah, we, so we knew that part of using Instagram in order to take advantage of their algorithm is you have to use every single aspect of the platform, which is very <laughs> annoying, but the name of the game. So we knew that we needed reels content and we needed something that we could churn out and can be consistent so that we can play the algorithm and play what Instagram wants us to do. So we thought about some franchises, what are some series that we can start? And it got shot around, like, what about just, you know, creative thoughts was just exploring certain topics that may be fun facts, maybe tidbits that people didn't know, but always tie back to some sort of creative process, creative inspiration. And so they, they tapped me to host it. And I was like, yeah, I've been, I can read lines. I did plays in middle school. I think <laughs> I, I might be able to, to memorize this and spit it back into the, into the camera. And so we have an incredible team of copywriters that write and develop these scripts for me and actually can nail my voice pretty well, just the way that I talk, which is really scary. It's like I have two other me's running around Patreon uh, speaking for me and it's dope because, you know, they're, they're geniuses. So they deliver a batch of scripts and I sit down and I, I memorize them, get the props going, do all the things that I need to in it. And the series is very much to help inspire our audience. Our audience is mostly creators, but it's also fans of those creators and then fans of general creativity. And so we want to be able to appeal to all of those. And so the fun tidbits of things that you might not think about, how does how do commercial creators make the food look perfect? And how do uh, what was Bob Ross's first job and how did he get into painting? And like exploring all of these things really can help people, you know, unlock maybe an idea that has been trapped in their brain forever. So it's really fun. It's really light. It humanizes our brand that we're not just this, you know, platform that posts, you know, graphics of creative sparks and inspirations, but there's also humans and we love doing what we do and we love supporting creators and we are creative ourselves. And so it's, it's fun to put myself out there. Um, we're working on more uh, and, and so that I'm not the face of Patreon social because it's such a team that goes into creating everything that we do. So there are going to be more series with more diff with other hosts that are all going to help humanize the brand even further. So it's really cool. It's really awesome that, you know, there's been buy-in from the top to kind of 
go in that direction with some of our content and it's it's worked so far so we've we've been having a ton of fun with it yeah i mean it looks like it it looks like such a fun kind of positive channel what inspires you what what makes you excited to you know get up every day and and create something that was nothing the day before you know i get inspiration from basically everywhere living in the bay area it's hard not to be inspired by my surroundings it's such an artistic and eclectic place and specifically i live in oakland and it's a very beautiful area of diverse populations that you know inspire each other every single day and i really enjoy that and so you know i'm a big fan of being outdoors i love to spend my time out on either hikes or hanging out by lake merritt here in oakland or or you know touring around doing some outdoor like beer tasting and stuff um, I'm a huge Disney fan. I have a Disney podcast of my own. And so I love learning about the history of that company. Maybe not so much of like fans of specific movies, but just how this media conglomerate came to be and the folks that made it happen before it kind of became what it is today. Um, so a lot of learning from the past has inspired me as a creator today and, and how I get the creative juices going. Um, and, you know, just I just love creating. <laughs> I love, <laughs> I love having, having side projects. I love having hobbies. I love taking, watching movies, watching TV. You know, it's, it's all of the normal things that a, a pop culture fanatic would enjoy is kind of who I am. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I love that. Are you a Golden State Warriors fan? I grew up Funny enough, a Boston Celtics fan. My dad is, he's a Celtics fan. So I grew up a Celtics fan. And then in about high school, I, I swapped over to the Warriors because that's what was here in the Bay Area. And, and my friends were all Warriors fans. Um, as of now, like, sure, a little salty <laughs> that they're in San Francisco, but uh, I, I just enjoy the NBA in general. Um, big, so just big NBA fan, big A's fan, big San Jose Sharks fan, not a huge football fan, never really got into that. Um, so I feel the same way. I'm a big NBA fan, but my, my, teams i i go all across the board on which teams i'm into it depends on like what the most compelling storylines are I'm like, oh, <laughs> yeah, exactly oh um, totally that's awesome well we do have a little bit of time and i just think that you have such a unique philosophy and i love how many times you've said humanize the brand because i think that's partly our mission in doing something like this and just sort of looking at the individuals that create these brands that we might know just from a logo or from you know someone on youtube that's like follow my patreon um, right. That it is just this co collection of very motivated and creative and driven people that are coming together for a, for a common goal. Um, and I think that it's just so inspiring to talk to someone like you who it sounds like your personal philosophies really align with the opportunities that you've given. And it almost feels like you've sort of lived this like personal, like manifestation of a pretty awesome career so far. Yeah, totally. I think it's important to humanize brands, um, I, especially in this day and age. I, I think that there was this thought very early on in the world of social media that like to work harder and more was what it meant to is what working in social meant. The harder the work you did in the longer hours gave you worth. And I think that is so backwards and wrong. I think that working in social, and this isn't to say that like people who absolutely love to eat 
sleep and breathe social that they're doing something wrong. Like, no, that's awesome. And heck yeah, like that's your, that's your hobby and that's your passion. I love that. But I think there's an expectation, especially when I was in sports that like, you must work every single day. And if you take time off, like that's you slacking. Right. And that narrative has got to switch and it has got to swap. And we're, we're already setting ourselves up for such mental deterioration by being online all day and taking in the amount of messages that we do that no other human being on this planet takes it. Like we are sitting here reading the thoughts of hundreds of thousands of people every single day. You can't, you can't even think about sitting, thinking about your own thoughts, right? Like now you're taking in everyone else's thoughts and having to process that as well. And people don't think about that. Yeah. We don't think about like what that does to somebody's mental health and, and how that can affect somebody. And so I really strive and I work very closely and have an amazing boss here at Patreon where we make sure we log off. Like you have to, you have to, you have to preserve your mental health because at the end of the day, like if you're not around to do it, if you're, if you're not mentally there to, to handle it, then is the job fun anymore. Yeah. That's the main purpose. You got to preserve yourself. So if there's anything that I was to leave people with is like, take care of yourself, do, do the best work that you do. The internet is hard sometimes, uh, but it's much better when you can separate that work life and, and keep it, keep that strong. It kind of touches on the the reimagination or reimagining of work as we know it as one of the sort of unexpected, uh, outcomes of this pandemic that we've all been going through is it does feel like companies are starting to re reorient around work. I know that Hollywood's going through a huge, basically that exact sentiment where a lot of the union workers and gaffers and people that work on sets are coming out and being like, this is inhumane. The way that we work, we work 12, 15 hour days nonstop. That's the expectation. That's not even like overtime or anything. Um, and it does feel like a lot of companies are stepping up and saying, uh, quality of work suffers, you know, mental health suffers. Uh, there's, there's a more sustainable way to do this. And I agree. I feel like, uh, without, you know, without a life well lived, like, I don't know that you get work well worked, (laughs) if that makes sense. Yeah, totally, totally agree. And especially in, in creative positions, if you can't experience life, then there's much less to draw creativity, inspiration, creative inspiration from. Uh, so it's important to live life and not tie yourself down to Twitter. I love dipping into a little bit more of the profound territory and I love your take on it. All right, everybody, it is time for our next segment, my personal favorite, Today in Brands, where we feature some of today's top brand stories and get a hot take from our guests on what they might do differently being in the branding space. So these two today, amazing enough, are both food related. The first one is actually with Geico. They released a scoop. There it is, ice cream flavor. So it's a take on the 90s classic song. And they have 325 pints that are up for grabs with that exact branding. And they have to upload a dance on (laughs) the commercials track. Winners are going to be chosen at random, which is pretty awesome. And I'm wondering what your take is on this, Kyle. How do you think this creative ad will do overall? And if you were in charge of this creative ad team uh, that was releasing this, 
Is there anything else that you would do differently or change up? My take is that I hate dance challenges. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Like, like, so here's a, here's a thing about me as a social marketer is that I hate a lot of trends, but know that I have to yeah. accept them in order to live as a social marketer. So yes. I can hate a lot of things. I hate posting tweets to Instagram. I think that is so dumb, but it does well and people like it. So I do it. Yeah. Um, this is one of those things. Dance challenges drive me insane, mostly because <laughs> I I wouldn't participate in a dance yeah. challenge. I My personal social isn't going to be me having hashtag Geico ice cream and it's a video of me dancing. Like I'm not going through that effort for a pint of ice cream. However, <laughs> we've seen that it works, right? We yeah. see that these initiatives, like if you go to TikTok and you you, you work with like a TikTok rep, yeah. part of their deck is like, we can give you challenges and here's some examples of our challenges for X amount of money, boom, boom, boom. They're almost always dance related, which yeah. makes sense for the, for, the, for the avenue, but I hate it. So my take is that it's dumb, but I think that it's going to do very well. I think <laughs> yeah. that we've seen that. Pretty sure like Jack in the Box did a similar one with their crispy chicken, yes. spicy sandwich thing. Um, and that did well. And they got a bunch of influencers to to participate in it. So right. I'd expect that Geico will do the same. So yeah, yeah I think it would be, I think that'd be awesome. And if I were in charge of this, uh, it wouldn't be a dance challenge because I can't stand them. I don't know what it would be, but uh, I do like the physical nature of it. I like the yes. fact that they're turning it into something that you can get because I love that kind of stuff. I got a bunch of knickknacks. Yes sitting all around me right now that I, I like to collect. And I think that would be something that's pretty cool. Um, but the avenue makes me cringe a little bit. I will say the one. I feel that, uh, yeah. <laughs> the saving grace for me was that winners are chosen at random because I do feel like incredibly intimidated. I don't know if I could enter a, an internet dance challenge with the amount of talent that I've seen on the internet. Um, sure, yeah, yeah. No, the, the random choosing is great. Yeah, I, so like I feel like I hope sure. we get some like middle-aged people that are just kind of giving it a college try. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. I also love a company that will ride the hype because I'm yeah. pretty sure that like when they made this music, like this commercial music video, they were like, this is funny, but like people might not really like it. We're Geico. <laughs> we do like weird things. Yeah. And people love this. Yeah. <laughs> and so they're like, okay, I guess we're going to just keep doing stuff with it. I love riding the hype. I think that's really important for a brand. So I like that guy goes doing that. Um, and plus the commercial was just fantastic. I agree. Um, so the second one is food again. This is probably one of my favorite foods. It's not an actual food group, but I'm saying it is. Uh, so this is Pokemon and Oreo and it's, their tagline was, you got to catch them all and eat them all, which <laughs> I can totally get behind that. Um, and they have 16 different designs, which very much plays into the Pokemon side of when you had the old, like the books and you would just flip through and you're like, oh, I got Charizard, you know, Charizard, yeah. I think is one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and it is the first time that Oreos come up with a bunch of different designs and I'm just wondering what you think about this collaboration and then connecting with both target audiences, teaming those two together. Yeah. Anything that is like limited edition makes so much sense to Pokemon's brand because yeah. you spent in the late 90s, early 2000s, mid 90s, so much time collecting packs of Pokemon cards, hoping that you got some sort of holographic 
card in that pack and you just keep going back and buying more and more hoping you get one and once you get one you're so stoked that's this just in like edible size right you're just opening up packs of oreos trying to collect um i think that's really fun i pokemon is such a great brand it's such a fun brand it's one that seemingly will never go away which is great don't think that they should um, and Oreo is just so great with their brand activations and, and collaborations, knowing that kids love to see their favorite characters on the things that they eat. That's just like a food brand 101, <laughs> right? That's just what you do. Yeah. Um, and I love that they they did that. So I think this is ac- absolutely perfect. We have many creators that uh, are in the Pokemon zeitgeist world. Uh, and one of them, I believe, is a Pokemon go creator i think a video creator and they got sent um packs of pokemon oreos and i so going through social today i believe or maybe it was yesterday scrolling through i saw that they were opening up a pack of pokemon oreos and i was like oh here we go (laughs) (laughs) i love that is there a healthier option do we have any sort of pokemon Pokemon wheat Pokemon's fins, nat- little carrots. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, veggie straws. Awesome. Yes. Sweet. Well, we have one more little section. Uh, so we're just going to ask three questions. The first one is, have you? What have you done recently for the very first time? Wow. That it, that fi- that feels deeper and heavier than it really should be. Like it sounds like you're making me choose an ultimatum that's going to affect the rest of my life for some reason. Um, very first something I did for the very first time recently. Um, let's see here. There had to have been something. What I do this weekend? <laughs> oh man. Um, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. I, oh, okay, here we go. So I, big Disney fan, big Disney history fan. I'm not a huge like collector, although others might tell you otherwise, but I <laughs> I was like, it's expensive to collect and I don't really want to spend my money on things that I'm just going to put on a shelf, but I, I, I bet. And I've been holding off on like buying anything animation related, um, because even though it's really cool, it means I have to find wall space for it. So the other day, or I guess about a month ago, I had purchased a production drawing from Sleeping Beauty that the like US Mint was selling for some reason. They must have acquired like a collection from the archives to sell. Um, and I bit and I bought it. And so now I have this like production art Sleeping like, Beauty uh, piece animation that sell. I'm in love with. It's a. It's even before that. It's like a production drawing. So wow. as they were trying to sequence out the wow. the the scene, they would do the drawings, the hard line drawings, yes. to show the the movement. And that's what I have. <laughs> it's awesome. That's amazing. That's so cool. I'm I am the same way. I have a hard time buying anything unless it's like, is it a piece of clothing that I wear? <laughs> is it some food that I will <laughs> yeah, eat right, right now? <laughs> <laughs> um. If you were invited to a show and tell and you had to bring an item or bring something to show, show and, tell. and tell. Yeah. Yeah, I got a good one. So on my wall behind me, this is a newspaper article from when I worked at the Oakland A's. And it is a article from the day after Sean Manaya, one of our pitchers, threw a no-hitter 
Um, and it was the seventh no hitter thrown in Oakland history or something like that. Now, remember when I was like baseball work every single day, really long stretches. This happened to be a day. The one day that season that I took off was this, <laughs> was this historic day. And I go into the office the next day and I just get completely clowned by all of my coworkers. Like, Oh, you choose to see what happens when you take a day off. We throw no hitters. Maybe you should take all the days off. Maybe we'll just throw no hitters from here on out. So this is signed by Sean. Cause like as social people, like you work with them. And I was like, I missed it. And he was like, how did you miss it? You're here every day. And I was like, I don't know, man, I took the day off and I missed it, but I, can you sign this to commemorate the you throwing this? So he did. And then the one above is Mike fires also threw a no hitter the next season. And I was actually there for that. So that's my prize. Like actually got that signed Cause I was there, but this is the, the, the byproduct of mental health preservation. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Some historical events. <laughs> I love that. I worked in LA for a long time and there there's like, uh, that's just part of, uh, working in the entertainment industry is, if you ever plan a vacation, that's when you're going to get your biggest job opportunity ever. <laughs> it's like, oh, exactly. can you work this exactly. week? Oh, that week? <laughs> hmm. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, and so finally, uh, we have one more question for you. Uh, if you were to give a piece of advice to your younger self uh, from where you are now to maybe right when you were sort of uh, even thinking about getting into this arena, um, be it a specific moment in your journey or a specific lesson, or uh, what do you think you would say to a younger version of yourself? I would 100% tell my younger version of Kyle to slow down and that perfection isn't everything. I think I had to learn that very quickly, was that in social, things move quickly and sometimes you want it you want to get it perfect and right because you feel like you're being judged based on your output by the entire world. And that's intimidating. So you want things to get perfect, but you get stuck in this loop of, is it perfect? Am I missing something that just doesn't allow you to be as creative as you want to? And so that was a big lesson that I had to learn uh, early on in my career that, you know, Sometimes imperfect is perfect. It's good enough is perfect. Uh, and to move on to the next thing, you can't, you can't hang on this one little mistake, this one thing that wasn't as perfect as you want, because the audience doesn't know that they're not in your head. They don't know what this was supposed to be for all they know. This is what it's supposed to be. Um, and I, it took me a while to like remind myself of that. So I think that's what I would tell my younger self is to, you know, slow down, Social is fun, have fun with it, and don't try and be perfect all the time because we're all imperfect human beings and the audience doesn't know when you mess up. I love it. You're a very, very thoughtful guy, Kyle. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks so much, Kyle. Love it, yes. love it, love it. You're listening to a Brand Folder podcast where we like to say, strong brands live here. Join us as we build the Brand Collective, a podcast for anyone curious about the people behind the brands that we all love. We're available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Subscribe.